Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I think a bit of explanation is necessary for you to uh, understand the passage that we're going to read. The explanation, to be very brief, is that Peter has been describing to his audience, probably the churches of Asia Minor, the final days or the last days of the earth, when there's going to be a complete change, a remaking of the heavens and the, and the earth. And he is trying to tell them that between now and the time that takes place, there is a certain manner in which we all should live. And uh, it is that theme that we pick up and continue with in the 13th verse. And we're going to be dealing with the subject of Christian growth. Take our text from the very last verse that we shall read. Nevertheless, verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, saying you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let me read two or three verses from the Living Bible to help in the understanding of these verses that from the King James that are, at least in my mind, somewhat difficult to comprehend without some help. Listen to uh, verse 13 and 14. Well, we're looking forward to God's promise of new heavens and a new earth afterwards, where there will be only goodness. Verse 14, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen and for him to come, try hard to live without sinning and be at peace with everyone so that he will be pleased with you when he returns. And remember, while he is waiting, he is giving us time to get his message of salvation out to others. Our wise and beloved brother Paul has talked about these same things in many of his letters. Then go down to the last verse, verse 18. But grow in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be all glory and splendor on 
we made the mistake as Christian people, I think, oftentimes, in an assumption that we make, in that we seem to think that when a person becomes a Christian, he is of the same maturity that he is in his chronological age. That is, if a person becomes a Christian at 40, we automatically assume that he has attained the age of 40 spiritually. And seem to forget that we are born into the kingdom of God as babies. And therefore, spiritually, must go through a period of training, learning, education, in short, of growth. We must grow spiritually as well as we are expected to grow physically. The second mistake which is made, that I want to talk about, which is made by unsaved people, is in thinking that once one becomes a Christian and has undergone this change, that there will be no more sinning, that they will be perfect in every way, all the bad habits are automatically disposed of and they're gone, and that everything is going to be perfect and we're going to live in paradise from here on out. And we who are Christian have learned that it just doesn't work that way. We go through the same traumas and disappointments. We continue to sin, even though we are Christian. There are churches who advocate that, that saved people do not sin. That's in total error. We continue to sin. And to think that we do not sin is in itself a sin. And so we have the mistaken idea seemingly that there is no growth process involved. That once we've gotten into the kingdom, as the old spiritual says, we can choose our seat and sit down, and we have attained everything that is necessary or needed. And this is entirely wrong. We must continue to grow. And it is upon this subject that I want us to talk about. The scripture says that he that began a good work in you will continue it. We have begun the Christian life at some point in time, and it is expected that we continue in our growth. If our children stopped growing or never did grow, we would have tremendous concern and would go from doctor to doctor trying to find out what the problem might be and how to, to reverse this process. And don't give much thought, if any, to the fact that we likewise ought to be alarmed about the failure of spiritual growth in our lives. We ought to be maturing every day as Christian people. A little boy fell out of bed one night, and maybe I've told you this little story, but I want to use it again to illustrate the point. And uh, his mother asked him why he fell out of bed, and he said, I stayed too near to get me in place. I have fallen out of bed more than once because I stayed too near to get me in place, and I made one roll, and it 
was the power that I had. This is true of us as Christian people, that we do not mature because we stay too near to get in place. I'm sure all of you know the term IQ. It means intelligent quotient. That's how smart you are. And uh, if those of you kids that have gone through school, and some of the adults in this congregation have taken IQ tests, and the teacher gave you a score, 100 is supposed to be average, usually from, from 90 to 110 range is the, is the normal average range. 100 is about, about middle ways, and so you're average if you hit 100. The further down that scale you go, the less smart you are, and the higher up the scale you go, the smarter you are until you reach the genius status. There are a few geniuses around. Uh, I never attained that. But uh, my daughter had, a, had an IQ of 140. She always put me to shame. I never did attain on the score they gave me 140. It is not much concern to me as to what your IQ and my IQ is, the concern that we have this morning is what is our SQ, our spiritual quotient. How smart are we when it comes to spiritual matters? What kind of growth have we had? I happen to believe that the IQ is not a stable figure, and I'm not going to get into educational matters this morning and face about five or six teachers. Well, so I'll leave that subject alone, but I am concerned that we spend our time dealing with our growth spiritually. More time should be put on that than our growth intellectually or our growth physically. If we fail to grow spiritually, there are some consequences that will develop, and let me spend just a little bit of time on that. The first consequence that I would suggest that will develop is that we will continue to be immature. We will not grow to maturity. I want to go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 3 for a passage of scripture on this subject. And uh, you have heard it many times. But listen to the words again, Paul talking to the Corinthians. And he's giving us some consequences of failure to mature as Christian people. And he said, and I, brethren, and by the way, notice the word brethren, meaning that he identifies them as fellow believers, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now the word carnal, generally speaking, is used to mean flesh, and spiritual we can take to mean those who have been born into the kingdom of God. And so he is saying, although you are believers, I can't talk to you like I ought to talk to believers. I've got to talk to you like I were talking to unbelievers, those in the flesh, those who are not saved yet, because you're still babies. You haven't matured. He goes on to say, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. He's spiritually speaking here. I have to give you easy things to digest 
because you're not spiritually mature enough to accept real hard stuff that must be digested. I don't see that in the most of this congregation. I see most people in this congregation as capable of taking the hard stuff, the hard to digest and chewing on it, and rolling it around until it finally becomes absorbable into the spiritual body. Some of the things that we get into on Wednesday nights get pretty deep, and you really start causing me to squirm in trying to figure out how to respond and react to some of the things that we talk about. This is growth. When we have gone from the bottle, spiritually speaking, to really digging into what God's Word has to say, and not being worried if we don't always agree with each other, and not having our feelings hurt if we don't get support in our idea. This is maturity. Uh, but the problem in the church is that multitudes of people still must be fed on the bottle and haven't been uh, developed to the point that they can take something that is, is real deep. Now, there's a consequence to staying on the bottle, and he gives us that in verse 3. He says, ye are yet carnal. That is, you lack maturity. You still are like you used to be. You haven't developed. For whereas there is among you, now notice the things that are among those who are still on the bottle. Those who are on the bottle, there are envy, strife, and divisions. Not people who are mature, but people who are immature develop those traits and display them and exercise them. They are envious of each other. They're jealous of each other. There is a strife. There is a fight. There are divisions. You can put it down in black and white without question that the Bible will support where there is that kind of activity, there is immaturity. One has not developed when that type of thing is taking place. All right. That's the first thing that will happen with, with when there is not spiritual growth. Secondly, I'd like for us to go to Ephesians chapter 4. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Chapter 4 and verse 14. You're going to find here another reference to being children. That is, those who still must be fed on the bottle. And here I am saying the second consequence of lack of Christian growth is there is going to be instability. Instability. Look what we find in verse 14. That we herefore, or henceforth, be no more children. He's pleading with them. Herefore, now, from now on, let's no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Here is a sign of immaturity if a person cannot stick to something. Somebody with a new idea comes along and they're going to grab on to it without really searching it out. 
They are tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Somebody come along blowing a big screen and somebody is going to jump on it and say, boy, this is the new thing. Listen, there's something to staying with basics. What the scripture teaches, we ought to know what it is and be able to distinguish between reality and fiction, between truth and lies, because we are no longer children. We have matured and can discuss a subject and can analyze it and can decide, does this person know what he's talking about? We make up our own mind. But not to be tossed about to and fro, going here and there, back and forth. Stick to something. The slight of men, he says, and the cunningness, their craftiness, lie in wait to deceive those who are still on the bottom. You follow the point? All right. That's the, the second point I want to make. Verse 15 in here in, in this same uh, Ephesians 4 is Paul's uh, encouragement. Grow up into him. That is an interesting phrase. He is telling the church to grow up in Christ. The Living Bible gives it this way. Become more and more in every way like Christ. This is the thing that will happen when we mature. But if we do not mature, we're going to find instability coming out strong and clear. Thirdly, those who do not mature will discover that they're very ineffective in their, in their witness. Ineffective in their witness. And I'm going to read chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. He says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Here comes the idea again. Need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a baby. Now, if a person is going to be effective in his witness, he's going again need to mature. He is charging whoever the writer of Hebrews is, and I think it is Paul, but it might be somebody else. He is charging that the church ought to be out teaching and leading people to Christ. But instead of being capable of doing that, they're still babies and have to be fed the first principles. That is, we've got to go back to basics and keep explaining over and over again, how do you be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Why are you saved? Uh, who is God? Who is Christ? Who is the Holy Spirit? All these basic things. We ought to finally get that in our thick skull and go on to something else and be able to tell other people the basics. But he's saying... You can't tell anybody else the basics because you still have to be told them yourself. There 
is a need for us to mature if we're going to be effective witnesses. The 14th verse of this book of Hebrews, chapter 5, he says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, uh, that is, are mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Now that struck me as I read it, probably um, in a way that I've never thought of it before. If we are going to exercise, uh, or that is, let me say it a different way, if we're going to use our senses effectively, they're going to have to be exercised. For example, how well do you smell? Can you distinguish odors? Well, I can say it's gas. But what kind of gas is it? The uh, state chemist for the state health department uh, reported on one occasion on a, report, a request for an analysis of a product that I sent in that he gave it the nose test, and I laughed, until I found out that his nose is registered. That is, his ability to smell is recognized by national standards. He is an authority and can go on the witness stand and say, I smell it, and this is what it is. Now, I can't do that. I couldn't have been more distinguished than anything, but his, my point is, he had exercised his sense of smell to the point that it was capable of distinguishing very fine differences in different odors. Now, Paul is saying that we ought to exercise our senses spiritually. We ought to be able to discern the scriptures to distinguish one spirit from another, as we have in other places. Lastly, on this subject, we're going back to 1 Peter, chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2. Those who are immature keep the attitude of the unsaved. That is, those who are immature are very difficult. We find difficulty in distinguishing them from those who are not saved because they act and think and do alike. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, a mature person will lay those things aside. Verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We ought to be capable of being distinguished from unsaved people. There ought not to be a question when, when you or I are in a crowd or in society or at work but that we are different than our unsaved partners, people about us, because we have laid aside 
these things. They are no longer a part of our life. No malice in our life. No guile in our life. No hypocrisies. No envies. No evil speaking. We have matured and left them behind. And we're now way up here. And we can be recognized for being a different person by our language and by our actions. The immature will express the same attitudes that they had before their salvation. The mature will have advanced beyond that stage. Well, that's the introduction. I guess I'm going to have to sum it up real quick. I want to say six things real quick out of the second part of the sermon. We ought to be growing in certain areas, and I'll quickly have to give them to you. I would suggest to you that, number one, we ought to grow in grace. That's exactly what Paul or Peter said there in that last verse, the 18th verse that we read. Grow in grace. Grace is what God does for us in giving us salvation. I'm going to just give a quick synopsis. Our growth ought to be in our faith. Secondly. We ought to grow in knowledge. That's also a part of that 18th verse. And in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself to prove unto God. There is no excuse for a Christian not studying the scripture. If you don't study, you are immature. No kid is going to pass class unless he studies. Unless he's got that um, IQ so high that he doesn't have to and the teacher's not smart enough to keep up with him and then he might have to do that. I've had a few of those. We must study. I want to repeat, if you don't study the scriptures, you're in the tour. You have to be. You can't grow without studying God's Word. Paul said to Timothy, this young preacher, study. And then thirdly, we ought to be growing in our competency of the Scripture, which is an outgrowth of our study, so that we can, as he said to Timothy, rightly divide the Word of Truth. What I'm saying is, which goes along with point number four in our time together, we ought to grow in doctrine. What I'm saying is, we ought to come to a point that we know what we believe and why we believe it and what the foundation is for that belief. And that takes work and study and development. And in doing so, we mature and become adult Christians and no longer baby Christians. And last, well, too long, we ought to grow in obedience. I would have had a time of long obedience for that. An obedience to God. We ought to become more obedient to Him today than we were yesterday. More obedient tomorrow than we are today. That's growth. And lastly, we need to grow in love. We need to be more loving every day. Modeled after the love of God, of course, for us. I suppose every preacher as he leaves the congregation, is remembered by the congregation for something. 
some way of teaching, some preaching, some personality quirk, or whatever it might be. The thing that I hope that I am remembered for more than anything else is that I love you and have taught you to love each other. That's got to be the bottom line of my preaching. And that is based upon the fact that the Lord God loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross for us. And our love is patterned after his. And we will mature when we will love. The more we love, the more mature we are. Whenever the word hate enters the vocabulary of a Christian, it shows his immaturity. That means love our enemies, do good to them that despitefully use us, persecute us, all of that state. That's maturity. We ought to be growing that way. Well, more quick. How mature are you? Am I? What kind of growth are we making? I can tell you honestly from, from my perspective, many of you have grown dynamically in the last few years, some months. Keep on growing. Demonstrate that you are growing as a Christian by the way you live, by what you do. Most by how much you love. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.